It was during the Great Depression in the 1930s, a sheep ranch in West Texas was called Yates Field, owned by a name by a man named Ira Yates. And he was a sheep rancher, and like many other people during the Great Depression, he was struggling to make his mortgage payment, very little money for food for his family, clothes for his family, and he would be out in the field watching his sheep graze, racking his brain, trying to find a way that he could pay his bills. One day, a couple of men from the oil company came and knocked on his door. They convinced him that they thought there might be oil on his land. He signed a lease and agreed to let them drill a test well. And at 1,115 feet underground, they struck the first oil reserve. From that well flowed 80,000 barrels of oil a day. Many more wells were found on his property. In the 1960s, a government, the government came in and did a test and found that even after 30 years of drilling for oil, some wells could produce well over 125,000 barrels of oil in a single day. Here was Mr. Yates, a sheep rancher, living on government subsidy, had the potential to be a multimillionaire but he was living in poverty. Why? Well, it's because he didn't recognize the resources that he had. And see, sometimes I wonder if we as Christians today, if we as the church today, find ourselves in the same situation. We're faced with challenges and temptations and struggles, and we do our very best to try and rack our brain and find a solution for us to fix it. It's almost like we as believers are plugged into a power outlet, but we've forgotten to turn the power switch on. You see, the past couple weeks we've been looking through the book of Ephesians, and today we come to chapter 3, verse 14, which is the second of Paul's prayers recorded in this book. And Paul focuses his prayer on the power we have through Christ. And I think it's important that we stop for a second to realize and acknowledge the power that Paul had seen in his own life. Many of you probably know that Paul at one time was actually Saul. And instead of praying for Christians like we're going to read today, he spent his time persecuting Christians. In the book of Acts, we read that Saul would go house to house, arresting believers and throwing them in prison. He held the jackets of the men who stoned Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Paul wanted nothing to do with growing the church and everything to do with killing the church. But then, he he encountered the power of Christ. It was on the road to Damascus that he was blinded with a bright light and God spoke to him. He went into town and a man by the name of Ananias prayed for him and regained his sight. And Saul gave his life to Christ and became Paul. The power of Christ got a hold of Paul's life. And the same God that got a hold of his life wants to get a hold of each of our lives with his mighty power. Paul had encountered the power of Christ. Today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And I think there's three things that Paul points out to us that we as believers, we as Christians, we have power through Christ. And the first one is that we have power through prayer. Starting in verse 14. When I think of all of this, the ways that Christ has saved us from our sin, 
the way that Sid preached last week, God created this church, this body that we can be part of. When Paul thinks of all of this, he falls to his knees and prays to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you. See, this is only one of over 75 prayers of Paul recorded in the New Testament. And I think that shows that Paul knew and he believed in the power of prayer. And I think the prayer that he prayed for the church in Ephesus thousands of years ago is still just as relevant to Northside Christian Church in 2015. There's a story of a wonderful older late Christian lady. She had very little money and lived in a very rundown house. But she was always praising the Lord. The only problem was the grumpy old man that lived next door. He spent his time trying to prove to her that there was, in fact, no God. And one day as the old man was walking by her house, he saw through the window her kneeling on her knees. So he snuck a little bit closer to try and hear what she was saying. And she was praying, Lord, you've always given me what I've needed. But now, I don't have any money, I'm completely out of groceries, and I won't get another check for a week. Somehow, Lord, please get me some groceries. So this man, hiding outside of her window, heard all he needed to. He ran to the store, got her milk, bread, some lunch meat, ran back to her house, set it on her porch right in front of her door, rang the doorbell, ran around the side of the house to see her reaction. Of course, this older lady comes out, sees the groceries, and she's overwhelmed. She said, thank you, Jesus. I was without food, and you provided groceries for me. And then the old grumpy man came out from around the house, and he said, I've got you now. I told you that there was no God. Jesus didn't get you these groceries. I did. The lady looked at him and said, oh, no. Jesus got me the groceries and made the devil pay for them. See, we have great power in prayer, whether we're praying for small things or big things. But God hears our prayer. But I wonder if prayer is a staple in our Christian life, or do we treat it more like an insurance policy? That if things get maybe a little out of hand and we can't handle it on our own, then we resort to prayer. But let me tell you, church, in our Christian life, prayer should be the steering wheel, not the spare tire. It's not meant for emergency only. And to think that the God of all creation, who sustains the universe, hears each and every one of our prayers, should humble us. Throughout the Gospels, there's a couple times where Jesus himself withdrew from the crowds. He went away, and Jesus spent time in prayer, talking to the Father. One of those is in Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verse 1. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying... As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why did the disciples want Jesus to teach them how to pray? They were with Jesus himself. What was it about the prayer life of Jesus that intrigued them? Could it be that they saw Jesus received power through talking with his heavenly father? question I have is, is there any person around us that is intrigued by our prayer life? Do they see how much we believe in the power of prayer? Or do we spend time 
relying on our own strength and our own ability. See, we have power through prayer to talk to the God of all creation. The second thing that Paul tells us we have power is through the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious and limited resources, he will empower you with inner spirit, with inner strength through his spirit. There was an American and an English man viewing Niagara Falls. One of them said to the other, come with me and I will show you the greatest unused power in the world. They went down the steps to the bottom of the Niagara Whirlpool. And the man pointed and said, there, that's the greatest unused power in the world. The other gentleman said, ah, no, my brother, not so. The greatest unused power in the world is the Holy Spirit of the living God. You see, I think when it comes to the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit kind of gets the short end of the stick. Because we are comfortable talking about God and Jesus as beings and at one point humans. But when it comes to the Spirit... Something we can't quite wrap our minds around. It's something that mystifies us and something that confuses us. And it's something that confused the disciples too. In John chapter 16, Jesus was talking about how he at one point would no longer be with them because he knew what was coming. And the disciples were grieving. They were upset. Verse, John 16 verse 5, Jesus says, But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. See, here are men who had followed Jesus for three years. They'd done everything together. They had seen Jesus teach in radical ways. They'd seen Jesus perform miracles, raise people from the dead, give blind people sight. Jesus was the man. It didn't get any better from the, than this. And Jesus is saying, I'm no longer going to be with you, and his disciples are grieving. But Jesus himself knew the power that we as believers would have through the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, boys, it's best that I go. Because then you will have the power of the Holy Spirit. He reminds his followers of this before he ascends to be with the Father. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Paul, again in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead three days later lives in us. Do we recognize that, church? Do we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The Holy Spirit empowers us. It lives inside us. It dwells in us. It convicts us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, and it may be the greatest unused power in the church today. Last, we have power through love. Power through love, starting in verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts 
as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, we as believers only know what love is because of God. We only understand love because of God. 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is is love and God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son and that love was so powerful that it conquered sin it conquered death love is very powerful and because of the love we have through Christ the forgiveness of our sins we then should overflow with love for those around us John 13:35 your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples See, in a world so full of hate and violence and evil, love is even more powerful. Sadly, this week we were reminded of evil in our world with the shootings at a church in South Carolina. Nine people were killed. And on Friday, they had a bond hearing for the shooting suspect. Many of the family members of the victims were present And the judge opened up the floor. And the family had an opportunity one by one to go forward to address the judge. And talk talk to the man who killed their loved ones on a TV screen. And one by one they would come forward and they would tell him how much he's hurt them. The pain that that he has caused in their life. How their life would never be the same. And one by one they said, I forgive you. A man who just killed their family, they said, I forgive you. The love of Christ, so powerful it forgave us and transformed our lives. I can only hope that the love these people displayed to this man might have the opportunity to transform his life as well. Though the the power of hate and violence is strong, I know that if love can conquer death, then love can overcome the violence in our world. But the question is, do those around us look at you and me? Do they look at the church? Do they look at your family and do they see love? Or do they see frustration and anger and hurt? Love is a very powerful thing. You see, church, Christ has given us power the Holy Spirit. He's given us power through prayer, power through love. And many of us here might know that, but what if we actually lived it? And what, what if I believed in your power and I really lived it? What, what if I believed Christ in me? Christ and me. So we're listening to this song in my house and my uh, six-year-old, she just starts like making up these hand motions and, you know, what if I believe Christ in me, you know, um, believed in your power. I mean, just cute. I'm just smiling going, this is so great. 
And all of a sudden she said, what if I believe in your power and I really lived it? What if I believed Christ in me? What if I believed? And I literally started just crying in my living room because I was thinking, what if my six-year-old daughter actually began her life believing that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead actually lives inside of her? I mean, I believe it up here, but what if we believed that? What if we lived it? This prayer is called Christ in me. Same great light that broke the dark, the same great peace that calmed the seas, hallelujah, is living in me. The same great love that gives us breath, the same great power that conquered death, hallelujah, is flowing through me. And what, what if I believed in your power And I really lived it What, what if I believed Christ in me What if I believed that I would lay my worries down See these hills as level ground What if I believed Christ in me Then I would praise you with my life Let my story lift you high What if I believed Christ in me same great love that casts out fear the same compassion that draws us near hallelujah is living in me the same great mercy that i received amazing grace for a wretch like me
then what? What if I believed in your power and we really lived it? And what? What if we believed Christ in us? Christ in us. What would it look like if we lived what we believe? See, Christ has given us great power through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, and through love. And he wants to work through us and in us to change the world around us and bring him glory. Verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ. Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. And through him, God is able to do more than we can even think. What if we lived what we believe? We know it, but sometimes it stays up here. God wants, to use the, wants us to use the power. He didn't just give it to us as an insurance policy. He wants to see it lived out through us so we can change the world around us. If you're not a believer, Christ invites you to plug into the power. And the power of love is so strong that it can wash you white as snow, make you not guilty. And despite the struggles and addictions and temptations that you face as an individual, the power of God is no match for that. The power of God is no match for any hate or violence in the world. And God wants to use us as a church. He wants to use us as a body to change those around us and to change our community. If you want to plug into the power, 